you are in the right place for the Progressive Care 2019 Annual Report Earnings Call and Business Update. Now, before we get started, I would like to read the forward-looking statements, the statements contained herein that are not based upon current or historical fact, are forward-looking in nature and constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Such forward-looking statements reflect the company's expectations about its future operating results, performances, and opportunities that involve substantial risks and uncertainties. These statements include, but are not limited to statements regarding the intended terms of the offering, closing of the offering, and the use of any proceeds from the offering in this call when used herein the words anticipate believe estimate upcoming plan target intend and expect and similar expressions as they relate to progressive care incorporated its subsidiaries or its management are intended to identify such forward-looking statements these forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to the company and are subject to a number of risks uncertainties and other factors that could cause the company's actual results, performance, prospects, and opportunities to differ materially from those expressed in or implied by these forward-looking statements. So once again, you are in the right place for the Progressive Care 2019 Annual Report Earnings Call and Business Update. I'm joined by the Chief Executive Officer of Progressive Care, Sheetal Mars. Sheetal, the floor is yours for your opening comments and statements. Hi, everybody. It has been a very interesting 2020. Uh, I don't think anybody really expected for the world to change overnight, and yet it did. Um, because we are an essential service, and we are open to and uh, open and, and continuing to provide care to our patients and, and an increasing number of patients who are seeking out our services, I do want to kind of keep this program really tight and and focus on the financial statements and, and things of that nature, things that are more pressing in the in the near term. Um, we will be discussing COVID-19 towards the end of this call and how it impacts us. Um, but if I don't get to some of your, your questions, it's just because I want to keep this um, this call pretty tight to, to the financial statements and those items and then get to your questions in a, in a subsequent interview and, and address those things. So just stay, stay posted. We, we will get to everything. Even if it's not this call, I'll try to answer as many of those questions subsequent to this as I possibly can. So I want to go into the financial statements as I do on on these calls. Um, I want to start right away into the balance sheet. And a lot of you guys are going to be looking at, if you're looking at our balance sheets for the first time, a lot of these numbers seem to change pretty dramatically from year to year. So if you're not familiar with us, we, we did an acquisition in June of last year. Um, that acquisition was of substantial size and adding um, about $15, $16 million in revenue to, to our um, existing base. So we will be recognizing their performance from June 1st onward, not the full year, but June 1st onward. So a lot of this change that you're going to see here has to do with that, with that acquisition 
of family physicians rx i may refer to it as fprx or five-star rx in this call but they're all the same thing um another thing that i want to quickly give you guys an idea about is is how i'm going to be referring to the individual stores so farmco is the flagship store the original store of progressive care that's located in north miami beach i will probably be referring to farmco as farmco 901 and that's because its address is 901 North Miami Beach Boulevard. So that's the main location that does about 25 to 30,000 prescriptions a month. Then we have Farmco 1002, which is a smaller location in West Palm Beach. That acquisition we did in 2018. Um, so that one I will be referring to as Farmco 1002. And then we have FSRX Davy and FSRX Orlando. They're one company. They have two locations. So I'll be referring to them as either FPRX or FSRX um, throughout this call. And I'll try to keep it consistent for, for everybody. But we kind of use um, FSRX, but their original name is Family Physician. So you might see it referred to in the document as FPRX for short. So going into the balance sheet, we, we have a net increase in cash. And a lot of that has to do with the financing we received in 2019 from Chicago and, and Iliad. Chicago and Iliad is the same group, same principle of people, different funds. And so they gave us the, the financing to be able to do our acquisitions. Again, when we look at um, everything we do with regard to financing, most of that is, is accretive. We're trying to grow the company. We're not trying to pay payroll. We're not trying to pay vendor bills. We're using that to enhance the, the capabilities of the company and grow the company. So when we take down debt and we take down financing, it's for a future purpose, not to deal with past, past issues. So cash went up. We had about, at the end of the year, we had about $800,000 in cash. And, and going into 2020, our cash has remained uh, relatively stable. Accounts receivable, again, going up to $2.1 million. You'll, you'll notice that that's the addition. The, the, the five-star brand, um, their, their receivables, accounts receivable other. I want to highlight this one specifically, and I do this on the calls, and I did it last year, is that that is our performance bonus. So for those of you, when you hear me talk about how important uh, performance is for us, how important adherence is for us, how important our Medicaid performance metrics are or Medicare performance metrics are, um, understand that those translate to dollars and cents for us. So you'll see here that we have a count receivable of over $600,000. That's across four stores. All four stores, by the way, has received their performance bonus for 2019. That means all four stores were ranked in the top 20% in the nation, and that means that we have been able to successfully bring in patients who were non-adherent through January through June and be able to overcome that drag on our performance through bringing them up to five-star patients through the end of the year. And, that, and by that, we mean that for anybody who has hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, we're filling a minimum of 80% of their daily doses through our pharmacy. So the dollars and cents to us, $648,000 we expect to receive in April. A lot of that money is going to go towards doing doing our build-outs and, and getting the 400 Anson building up and ready. Our two leases are up um, for family physicians, at, at five-star in 
Davy and Farmco 901. Both of those two locations are going to be consolidating in the building, and that's going to save us about $25,000 a month. So we're looking forward to, in 2021, realizing an additional $300,000 in savings a year just by locating into the building, which has significantly lower costs to, to uh, operate under. Inventory also went up. The, the locations don't maintain, and we don't typically maintain, a lot of inventory. If you look at this, and we have $3 million in sales, our, our inventory is turning about once a week. That's the fastest that I've seen any pharmacy turn their inventory. We hear about once a month or once every two weeks. But we really try to make sure that no, nothing that comes into the pharmacy stays in the pharmacy for very long, and we turn over the full inventory once a week. Prepaid expenses is a, is a minimal amount there. A lot of that is, is prepaid insurance and, and other retainers that we may have. So it's not that, that big of a, an impact on our balance sheet. It's pretty standard with DNO and other financings of insurance that we have. Property and equipment, property and equipment the, the biggest chunk of that is going to be the building, which is about 1.5. Uh, I think the asset is valued here at $1.8 which is the total value of the building. Our note, our loan was $1.5. I think we only have $1.4 on the mortgage outstanding. We're making regular payments. We are current with all of our payments for our mortgage. And the additional uh, amounts there are going to be all of the machines. So we have two Paradas, a Script Pro, a TCG. All of those allow us to fill uh, prescriptions much quicker and much more accurately but also allow us to do that unit dose packaging, and, and that's really good for adherents to be able to pre-sort medication. I know a lot of patients are spending their time on Saturdays and Sundays sorting medication, and, and so we use our machines to do that unit dose. Again, to for anybody that doesn't know, it's the same exact machines that PillPack has. It's not um, They don't have proprietary license on the, those machines. Um, we have the same systems and same capabilities that, that, that they do. So those are you're going to see in property and equipment and, and the small amount there for the, the vehicle fleet. Going down to other assets, this is the biggest change from 2018 um, is other assets in, 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 form, in terms of structure. So we have Goodwill. A portion of that is, is made up of, of the Farmco 1002 acquisition from 2018, but the vast majority of that is now going to be the, the family physician's acquisition here. So And then... Part of that has been moved to intangible assets. So if you looked at our financial statements throughout the year, we did not break out intangible assets. We did, we did so for the audit as, as we would normally do. We have about a year from the time of acquisition to finalize purchase price accounting, and we did so here for, for our December, for our uh, fiscal year-end audit. So in, in intangible assets, we have a valuation here for the customer list, which is the, the patients and the prescription and, and the doctors, um, we have a, an amount here for the brand name, and we have an amount here for the non-competes that we had signed with, with prior management and prior owners. So that you will see here, and over time we will be amortizing those intangible assets. Going down further into the liabilities, the biggest change here, and I'm going to kind of make this short, the biggest change here between the two is two things. One, the, ad the addition of the acquisition. So you see the uh, accounts payable. That is not a, an increase in accounts payable because those accounts payables are aging. That is, an, that is an, the addition of the acquisition. So there are accounts payable in that part of our balance sheet. Um, 
unearned revenue. That is simply medications that we have billed that are not um, not in the hands of the patient as of year end. So if we build a prescription December 31st at 6.30 and we delivered it January 1st, we're accounting for that, that um, difference in time. Um, capital lease obligations, those are, those are the, the, the machines, the equipment, the, the automated systems. So then the other big thing is to go into this is, to, is the note. So you're going to see an amount here for derivative liability and notes payable. We took down about... $3.15 million in, no, $4.15 million in notes. Um, I apologize for that. $4.15 million in notes from Chicago and Iliad. Those were used to do the acquisition. We paid back in cash about $400,000 of that, so leaving us with $3.75. Um, we have, they, those notes are converting now. And I'll get into uh, the amounts that have converted so far later on in this, in this call. But the, the amounts here you'll see is derivative liability is, is the amount we're anticipating as, as, as possible. And not, there's, not, there's no guarantee here, but as, as possible expenses um, associated with converting that note into stock, is, those are the possible liabilities here. Again, if, if we increase our share price, and if we pursue other avenues of, of repaying that note, those, those derivative liabilities also either go down or become eliminated. Moving on to the consolidated statement of operations, this is a, our, our, key, our, our, a key source of pride for us. And I know you're looking at it and you're seeing the, the, the evolution of, of our performance on operations throughout the year. The reason why I say it's a key source of pride for us is we faced a number of headwinds in the beginning of the year. In the beginning of the year, um, a lot of plans and PBMs simply eliminated compounds as a covered item on their formularies. So what was a significant source of revenue in 2018 became very small, minimal, minimal in 2019. We successfully replaced all of that um, all of that income, all of those revenues, with more stable, um, with more stable drug drug mixes. So your standard medications became part of that. We also have increases here from the family physicians acquisition, and because of that, our gross mar profit margin percentage actually went up. So when we get to gross profit percentages of 25 percent or more, we are a total company profitable business. In last year, we got to 24%. I think this year we should be able to, to break through that 25% and be profitable as a full enterprise in 2020. That's what we're working towards. And another thing here is we did a lot of work with eliminating non-essential expenses. We did a lot of work with trying to find higher margin, um, higher margin businesses, higher margin revenue streams, to be able to supplement our income beyond just standard prescription medication. Um, that allows us to branch off into the technology. And, again, I'll talk more about the technology aspect that we're, we're trying to get into towards the end of this call. So if you're looking at the, the op statement of operations, we had 30, over $32 million in sales. And that's, a, I believe, a 58% increase over 2018. And we're looking at a base of $40 million 
coming into um, 20, uh, 2020. So we're looking at, I apologize, you hear the phone ringing in the background. Um, we have a base of $40 million. That's going to be from Farmco 901, Farmco 1002, and, and family physicians. What that does is that that's, that's not including any expectation for growth. So if we do nothing and everything stays the same, we would be at $40 million. Now, our company has not been known for doing nothing. We do have month-over-month, uh, year-over-year increases in prescription counts, increases in revenue. So we're, our expectation is to close the year, some year somewhere between 40 and 44 um, for 2020. And I'll talk a little bit more about how COVID-19 can impact that a little bit later. Um, bad debt expense. You see it gone up again. That is that is a result of bringing in the family physician's um, performance into this. So you'll see a lot of changes. A lot of this is the differences you see here is, is directly attributable to that acquisition. And going into the other income and and expense, almost all of that is isolated to the Chicago venture notes. So we're seeing change in fair value of derivative and the interest expense there. A lot of that is non cash. And so a lot of this loss that you see here is non-cash. And, and I want to go into what we have is EBITDA, which is about $478,000 in loss, which is a humongous improvement throughout the year. When we closed September, our EBITDA loss was, was over 800000 So we had a, a hugely profitable um, fourth quarter, uh, a big turnaround in the fourth quarter where we were we started realizing those bonuses. We started realizing the, the growth of our 340B revenue. We started realizing a lot of um, our, our a lot of competitive advantages and comparative advantages in our performance, which allowed us to have a big profitable quarter and bring down that that operating net loss. And that is holding here in 2020. Um, COVID-19 actually has not impacted that at all in 2020. So we, we, we are still seeing that um, our cash flows and our operations are still being maintained. We don't need to raise any money for, for meeting general obligations. Um, we may pursue whatever financings are available, whatever forgivable amounts are, may be available to us through the CARES Act. We're exploring that with our banks to be able to realize that and make sure that we can keep every staff member here on payroll and each of them receiving their health insurance benefits. And that is also, again, for a, a precautionary measure in case things change in in the health during the health crisis. But we're looking pretty good and pretty steady through, through March. Um, going into the, the equity statement, the equity statement did not change materially. The, the one item I want to point out here is we issued 10 million shares to the previous owners of family physicians. Um, as part of the, the renegotiations of the terms of our purchase agreement, those 10 million shares are being returned to us. We have all of the certificates in hand. We're just waiting for one more um, signed um, medallion guarantee to allow us to send this all back to our transfer agent and bring that off, um, bring that off our balance sheet. Going into cash flows, cash flows, if, if you see here, we have net cash used by operations. A lot of the changes you see here, again, are from the acquisition. And you see that also 
we have a, a number of non-cash items. And so a lot of the things that have to do with the Chicago and Iliad notes are presented here in the non-cash items. And we, we have a net cash increase of, of 729000 That's predominantly coming from the financing. But we were in a solid cash position at the end of 2019, which is allowing us to, to maintain cash flow and maintain our operations here in 2020. And we, our cash is, is in pretty good shape here in 2020 as well. I think we have about um, either from 500 to $700,000 in cash on hand at any given point. And that fluctuates some throughout the, throughout the month, but we're in a good position. We have not needed to take down any additional tranches, and we don't expect to. So going into a lot of, a lot of the notes and the tables, we are seeing improvement across the board. The only issue outstanding here as far as improvement is just Chicago and Iliad, and I will be going into what, what we will be doing about that and addressing anybody's concerns about the, the conversions and how that's taking place further on in the call. Um, one, the biggest thing that I want to point out, the biggest highlights, and I think we put that out in our, in our press release before, is that throughout the year, despite enormous headwinds from, from PBMs as far as DIR fees, as far as restrictions and formularies, that our, our company is immensely resilient to changes in, in the industry. And we, uh, unlike a lot of our competitors, um, we didn't have to sell for cheap. We didn't have to close our doors. And as a matter of fact, we are being sought after. And, you know, one of the key positions we, we were in allowed us to be immensely profitable here in, in the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter of 2019, turn around a, a lot of the losses, able to realize those benefits and that momentum going into 2020, and then deal and put us in a position of um, – you know, immense, uh, of great stability here in, in 2020 amongst this health crisis, that we are probably the best position of any independent pharmacy out there to be able to not only withstand the crisis but, but thrive in it because of the level of, um, level of performance, level of service that we provide and have provided for 13 years. We're not like Walgreens and CVS that woke up to the idea of delivery this year and decided, oh, they want to now provide care. We've been doing it for, for since inception of this company, and that's why we're being sought by health practitioners all across our, our community from, from Homestead all the way north of Orlando to be their primary provider during this time of crisis. So I, I want everybody to, to take that into account. And I, I'm going to turn it over to Stuart to now go over questions and, and comments so we can get through um, this call as quickly as possible. All right. Very good. Thanks for that, Sheetal. Will the company file an S-1 registration statement with the SEC in April? So our primary goal now, after filing this audit financial, we have three years of audited financials under our belt, PCAOB, that can be included in the S-1. Um, we had a draft ready a couple of years ago that put got put on hold for for the acquisition, obviously. So now we are looking at um, end of April, beginning of May, to to file the, the S-1. We're already speaking with our, 
our attorneys about the new draft. We already have the financial statements to be included, and we're looking at engaging a an SEC um, PCAOB auditor uh, for that S1 and, and going forward. Berkowitz is, is a wonderful firm, and they've been very very good to us, and they've stood by us, and and they've performed this audit. So they knew that eventually we would be filing our S1, and they're in, incredibly supportive. So we were interviewing firms now to, to be part of that S1 and go after that and do our audits after that. So we're looking at end of April, um, beginning of May. And if that changes, we will be updating all of our shareholders in advance. We're not here to um, change things last minute. So if, it, if we see that there's going to be a, a change in timing, we will be informing all the shareholders. All right. Well, this next question is a three-part question, so I'm going to ask it in pieces. What's the current status on the convertible notes? So the current status on the convertible notes is they are eligible for conversion. The first part of it, that 1.15 that we took down in, in January, is already converted. If you look at subsequent events on the on the financial statements, it's the very, very last page, Um we list out all of the conversions that have taken place to date. I believe it's, it's close to 7 million shares issued, about $250,000 converted. All right, so that's kind of the next question in this, and I think that's you just answered it. How many shares then have been converted so far? So, again, that's about 7 million shares, give or take, and you can look at that last page. Um, there for an exact count, and it's about $250,000 that have been converted of the notes so far. And a timeline to complete all the conversions. So we don't have an exact timeline, especially because our our investor here has been incredibly gentle, uh, surprisingly gentle for with us. I, I think that goes to show you the, the value they place on our relationship, the value they place on our company, and how much they believe in our company. Um, they have indicated to us that they're looking at the market conditions very closely. They're looking at us as an essential service, and, and they're being very gentle. And so and so they have elected not to do weekly conversions. They have um, only done monthly conversions in, in smaller amounts than we had anticipated. So the first one was 50000 the second the, the Second uh, one was a hundred thousand. The one after that was a hundred thousand, and they have not approached us. And the last time they did that conversion was February 29th. They have not approached us for more shares um, since that time. So it's been about a month. Um, they are looking at um, the long-term prospects of this. One of the things that I wanted to talk about with this is we've spoken to them at length and. It, especially in the beginning of receiving this financing, they were well aware that we were going to be seeking alternative financing, financing that would be on better terms, that would eliminate the, the dilutive effect of, of their note. And they, they were very supportive of that idea. They, they wanted that. They're not going to be an impediment to us securing a, a, a financing under more traditional terms. That will allow us to eliminate the debt and allow us to eliminate the derivative liability and have have a more stable market for our shares. And so while we don't know the exact timing, it's monthly that they're doing conversions, we will be looking for and have been approaching a number of different bankers and investors 
about the possibility of refinancing this debt or, or receiving financing under more favorable terms for the future growth of our company. And to that end, that's really why the S-1 is so important, because under while, once we become SEC registered, a lot of those terms open up for us, and a lot of these bankers and investors open up to us, and we can secure things on, on better terms. So that's what we're looking forward to um, going going forward with this note. And and as as I said before, they've they've been amenable to to not being aggressive in their liquidation of the stock. They've been very slow, and and we have appreciated that and appreciate the fact that they understand that we're not a fly by night company. We're an essential service, and we'll be open through the duration of this crisis. Well, I do want to, as always, thank all of your shareholders and interested parties for submitting their questions. And, of course, many of you submitted this next question, so we're only going to ask it once. Sheetal, what is the impact of COVID-19 on your company's business? Sorry, Stuart, can you repeat that question? I'm, I apologize. Not a problem. What is the impact of COVID-19 on your company's business? Okay, so that's a really good question, and I, I want to spend a good few minutes talking about it. Um, a lot of you have seen our videos. A lot of you are watching us on social media. The number one thing that we're concerned about it with, concerned with is care. And our, our pharmacists, our pharmacy are operating at full capacity. We're observing as much of as much social distancing guidelines as we can. We're trying to sanitize our buildings and facilities frequently. We were the first um, first to market here with contactless delivery. And once we saw, we have pharmacists that are, you know, incredibly well versed in infectious disease. And as soon as this crisis started bubbling up and we started seeing seeing it impact our community, we started a, a protocol for contactless delivery that it was also secure. We're not here to just drop medications off at people's doorsteps. So we're confirming identity. We're maintaining integrity of the medications. But we are not doing hand-to-hand transfers. Or as much as possible, we're avoiding hand-to-hand transfers of medications so as to protect both our delivery staff and our patients. So as far as impact, in the beginning here, January, February, March, it, we were seeing an upswing in, in prescriptions. We're seeing more and more doctors seeking us out. We're seeing more isolation to our pharmacies because we offer that contactless delivery. We're not make, asking anyone to go through a drive through We're not asking anyone to go into the grocery store and pick up. We're not asking anybody to walk into a drugstore. Anybody who uses our pharmacy can get free delivery. So and that's been that way since inception of our company. So we've, we've seen an influx of, of patients. We've seen an influx of doctors who have been turning to us. And another thing that we, another thing that we were looking at and we have done is, is donating hand sanitizer and working on hand sanitizer. We can produce through FDA-approved guidelines to be able to bring more of this product out to those who need it. We're, we're looking at media, first responders, doctors' offices, and our primary goal there is to be a source of support. And by doing good work, and this has been my mantra from the beginning, is by doing good work, that will be good for our business. The more we ingrain ourselves into our community, the more good we do for our community, the more it will pay off in, in increased sales, increased loyalty to our pharmacy. And our patients are really happy and they're really grateful 
for the services we provide. On top of, we're not trying to get into every fad out there. We're trying to make sure that every medication is going to a patient in need, that medications are going uh, out appropriately, um, that we're, we're curtailing as many abusive prescriptive pra- practices as there are. We're trying to avoid any of the, the scam artists out there that are trying to take advantage of, of, a, of an intense health crisis. So we're seeing our, our business, you know, is well suited for this because, again, we, can, we, we are one of those businesses that are allowed to stay open at full capacity. So January through, through March is looking good. The only caveat to that would be that if the, the crisis worsens to a point that, you know, it starts to impact doctors' ability to, to see patients, see their normal patients, doctors' ability to be able to prescribe if there's any supply chain disruptions in medications. These are things that we don't foresee happening because we believe that now the government has, has gotten a good control over, over the situation and, and mandated the, the social distancing that's required and, and, and hospitals are, are planning ahead. And we're trying to secure as much PPE and and supplies for hospitalists and, and doctors that we can. Um, so we're not foreseeing the worst-case scenario that, that you see out there, but that would be the only instance that would, that would impact our, our business in a way that we could be materially um, negatively impacted by it. We, we don't foresee that happening again. We see that we'll be able, we'll be one of the few pharmacies that are able to um, provide service and to be able to expand um, our reach through through this crisis because our services are necessary. Um, a lot of a lot of doctors have have switched their patients over to us because they're afraid of their patients going to um, you know big box stores or going to grocery stores. Patients that are over seventy, patients with maintenance medications, they're trying to isolate a lot of that, and not just the Patients that are older, they're trying to isolate their families to us, too. So patients in between the ages of 35 and, and 55 are also coming to us because they don't want to expose their parents and they don't want to expose their families. So they're coming to us and using us, and we, we've gotten a lot of good testimonials. One of the things that I, I highlight most about our company during this time is we've been doing this for a long time. And so unlike, you know, companies that are, just trying to get a handle of, of the new way of life, we've been doing this for forever. So we already had the delivery infrastructure. We already had the capacity to do contactless. We already had the capacity to sanitize our facilities because we, because we know infectious disease pretty much anybody out there. So when we went out to our doctors and reminded them, hey, get, get patients on 90-day supply, hey, make sure that they, they are maintaining um, their maintenance meds, that they're, that they're taking everything, that they're monitoring their health and well-being during this crisis. They were really appreciative that we were leading, that we were proactive, that we were calling them and not waiting for them to call us. And we're reminding them that now is not the time to let up on monitoring their patients because we also don't want during this crisis for their patients to have hypertensive events, preventative, preventable hypertensive or diabetic events um, that could lead to them going to an ER when ERs are already inundated 
with the sick. We don't want to expose patients to, to, to the coronavirus. They don't need to be exposed simply because they were not adherent with their medication during the time. And we're staying proactive. We're putting as many PSAs out there that we can, doing videos, um, trying to do uh, interviews, trying to get out into the media to be able to promote um, what we believe are best practices and we believe we're leading those best practices. So for us, you know, I, I hate saying it this way, but for us, we are well positioned to do well under this crisis, um, and we're luckier than most. All right, very good. Next question then. When do you expect to start having full enterprise profitability? So we look, we're looking at 2020. I think this year is the, is the year for that. We had, last time we had full enterprise profitability, I believe it was 2017. Um, and so we had a couple of years while we're doing expansion. And, and while, while there were increasing costs through, through DIRCs. So we're now looking at, you know, because of our model. Okay, I think we're losing Sheetal just a little bit. Sheetal, I think you're on a cell phone. Maybe adjust your positioning. Hold on one second. Oh, we got you back now, though. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we do. Okay. <laughs> so um, to answer your question, we're looking at 2020, this year. Um, last two years, we were aggressively expanding. And last two years, we had enormous headwinds from, from uh, pharmacy benefit managers in the, in the form of DIRPs. And that's front page news. Everybody knows that that was affecting the pharmacy industry um, all, uh, all year in the last two years. So we believe that 2020 is the year that we return to full enterprise profitability. The, the pharmacies are, thank goodness, the pharmacies are doing well. As I just spoke about, the COVID-19 has not had a negative impact on our on our revenues or our profitability. So we're we're moving forward in in that direction, and we think that through through this crisis, as more people tune into us and see what benefits we bring to the table as far as healthcare, we'll be able to to bring more patients on board to our model and be able to increase our market share. So 2020 is the year. That's our goal, and we're trying to monitor costs as much as possible. We will be doing a build-out this year, so there are some costs. And, and obviously, we're going to have the, the derivative. But as far as cash-based profitability, the ability to bring in positive cash flow and pay our bills and, and increase our cash from, cash from operations, this is the year. All right. You know, we're taking questions in real time, and I, I do want to get this one in here, Sheetal, because it goes back to the COVID-19, which we know is on the forefront of everyone's mind. Hydroxychloroquine, are you guys stocking or do you have hydroxychloroquine 200 milligram available? So we do have it available. We are being very careful about how we dispense it. Um, One of the things that we noticed very, very quickly was that doctors were prescribing it to themselves and to their families prophylactically. So we definitely are not um, allowing prescriptions like that to go out. We're trying to make sure that um, each prescription of it is, is vital, each prescription of it is, is medically necessary. And also, we, I want to, anybody listening here, I got the chloroquine, is very promising. And we look at, at the anecdotal information that's coming out, we're looking at the clinical studies very carefully, and we're very, very hopeful. But for anybody looking to just take it, 
the caution I would provide you is that hydroxychloroquine has an effect on heart tissue. So it is a, a known side effect of the drug, and there there hasn't been studies. I mean, it was it was used to treat malaria. It's used to treat lupus. You know, I have a person who has lupus in my family, and she can't get the medication, so we're trying to make sure that there's enough medication for those who already are on them, on the on the medication. So we're another reason why we have stock of it. But for those that are just looking to take it prophylactically or or in advance of having COVID-19 symptoms, I strongly caution against that um, to speak to a physician, to be under the, the care of a physician when taking that medication, because if you have a heart condition, it can lead to an arrhythmia and a fatal heart event. So be very careful and very mindful. We're hopeful that this is a drug that will lead to a quick resolution of this crisis. But um, we're, we're monitoring the stock. All right. Excellent. Well, let's wrap it up with this question then. With such a robust acquisition strategy in your recent history, is there an acquisition plan in place for 2020? So we have had a number of conversations and and we've gotten into different points of LOI. We have different different things standing out where we're we're negotiating on LOIs and we're negotiating on other things and we're trying to bring other companies on board. Um, We're also looking at at partnerships for ourselves whereby maybe, um, and and these are preliminary, but the thought process is if a combination with another, um, another company that is already listed on a national exchange would be beneficial to us or combining our forces with another company that has a strong market presence. So we are already in negotiations with, with a couple of companies. We've put, um, we put preliminary LOIs out there and we're waiting response. COVID-19, the crisis, has put a hold on a lot of business development aspects of, of a lot of these, the, the companies' um, business plans over the next 90 days. Because a lot of the companies we're talking to are, are healthcare companies. And so their primary concern right now is, is care and providing care. Um, New York City is being pretty hit pretty hard. A lot of the metropolitan areas are being hit pretty hard. So that's their focus right now. So we're just, you know, not in a holding pattern, but trying to reach out and be very um, ginger with how we, how we approach the situation because we want to make sure that we also are keeping our eyes on the delivery of care for our patients. So I think an acquisition is not not necessarily probable in 2020, but we're hopeful that one of these that we have out there is going to close. All right, excellent. Well, that is a wrap on the Progressive Care 2019 Annual Report Earnings Column Business Update. Sheetal, any closing thoughts or comments for those listeners and shareholders? So for our, our listeners and shareholders, you know, I, I take my closing comments and usually make them about um, being thankful for the work that my staff, do, staff does. I can work from home, and a lot of my corporate uh, employees can work from home and are working from home because we're trying to keep our, our, in mind all of the best practices for keeping everyone safe. But understand that for my pharmacists and for my pharmacy technicians and for my delivery personnel, they can't stay home. And they're scared, too. And, and they're worried about their families, too. And we hope for a very swift end 
um, to this crisis, but we also understand that we are needed, we are necessary, and, and we have to stay open and ready to work at a moment's notice. We're looking at expanding our hours. We're looking at expanding into Saturdays and Sundays to be able to provide more care and more support to, to our communities, to our local leaders, to our hospitals. Um, a lot of the reason we were looking at donating the, the hand sanitizer and why we've gone to doctor's offices across, uh, across the city um, to be able to give them units of hand sanitizer. I think we've do- we're in the process of donating over 6,000 individual units of sanitizer to healthcare workers across South Florida and, and hoping to, to give more as, we be, as we're able to uh, ramp up our compounding facility to be able to process the alcohol and, and provide FDA-approved sanitizer. So we're, our number one concern is care. Our number one concern, our number two concern is the health and welfare of our employees. And we're doing everything possible from giving them food to giving them safety to giving them the, the support and sanitization support that they need and trying to deliver them supplies um, for everybody out there as an investor and everybody out there that's, that's a shareholder. You know, we consider ourselves very fortunate that we are fortunate that we are an essential service. That we, we look, when you look at us, and look at the other opportunities out there. We're one of the few that was ready before this crisis began, and we will be ready after this crisis is over. We don't expect any patient that turns to us now, we don't expect any patient to leave, because once they come to Farmco and realize the difference we make on their lives, they understand that no other pharmacy can do the same for them. So our patients are very sticky. They typically don't transfer out unless they move and they move beyond an area where we can deliver. So we think we are a prime investment opportunity as, as shareholders, investors are looking at us. You know, we're holding steady. Our stock price is holding steady, and the market is really volatile, and our company is not going anywhere. Our company is going to be here now. It's going to be here tomorrow. It's going to be here for a very long time to support everybody and, and provide the results. That, that shareholders and investors should look to us. And one of the things I wanted to reiterate is I know I did not answer a lot of questions. We had a lot of questions about other areas of operation in our business, and, and I look forward to working with Stuart um, about doing an additional interview to be able to answer those questions. So just please keep posted, and please follow us on, on social media. Please follow our, our press releases and our filings and our website and all the information that we're putting out there. We also turn to us for, for information about COVID-19. If you're confused or if you have uh, questions about that, we'll answer anything that you guys have and be at the forefront of, of this crisis and be able to, to capitalize on it once it's all said and done to be to be a premier pharmacy in not just Florida but in the nation. So that's what you can look for from us, um, but just also you know, take a moment and be thankful for your healthcare workers, for your food service workers, for grocers and police officers and media personnel that you may know out in your life that, that have to go to work and are risking their lives. Um, I'm going to say a special thank you to my staff right now because they, because they are essentially risking their lives and their health and well-being. So thank you to all of them, and thank you to all the shareholders that, that are supporting us 
and continue to support us. And we ask that you support us now more than ever because we we feel like it's beneficial to you, it's beneficial to to this community, and and we're uh, in, incredibly appreciative of everything that you've done for us. For us. Very much. And we look forward to talking to you in another 45 days with the, with our quarterly results. Well, very good, listeners. Thanks for joining in, and please keep sending those questions in. As you heard from Sheetal Mars, we will be doing a follow-up interview here in the near future. Have a wonderful evening, and stay safe out there.